Good morning. As the president continues to contest the results of the 2020 election, President-elect Biden is assembling his team, including an Indianapolis native who will serve as Biden's chief of staff. Ronald Klain worked as the Ebola czar for the Obama administration, and no doubt the current health crisis will remain issue number one for the incoming president. Here in Indiana, cases rising exponentially in recent days. As Governor Holcomb now rolling us out of stage five as the city of Indianapolis adds new restrictions for businesses and schools. Here's Bianca Reyes with the latest. I think this, this seems like a logical course of action. Local health officials are calling it a step in the right direction and our best chance at fighting a rapid increase of COVID-19. And this statewide surge shows no sign of stopping. Just yesterday, Marion County reported more than 700 new cases. Central Indiana's largest school district, IPS, will move to virtual learning November 23rd. Wayne Township starts Monday. Now is the time that we have to take some action to slow the spread as we head into what is probably going to be 8 to 12 weeks of, of a potentially rough winter. IU's Director of Infection Prevention says 13% of all positive tests are happening in children under the age of 19. But with most being asymptomatic, they can contribute to a large community spread. We really are at a really tough juncture. Our COVID rates are spreading really fast and furiously. Health officials say elementary age students have the lowest positivity rate at 8%. Meanwhile, high school students are showing a positivity rate of more than 18%. Adolescents, um, whether it's middle school or high school, are better transmitters than the younger children tend to be. There's some scientific hints at that. Dr. Christopher Belcher says that's due to extracurricular activities, which the county will also limit come November 30th. Coming into school, kids may try to gather. After school, kids may gather. And um, I think it will help more with those kind of things uh, than actual in the classroom transmission. Still, doctors, nurses, and health officials agree schools can't be in it alone. To get this down, everyone needs to mask up and maintain their distance. That's the only way we're going to put the brakes on this. In Indianapolis, I'm Bianca Reyes, CBS4 News. All right, Bianca, thanks. Meantime, another wild week in Washington as the president continues to challenge the results of the 2020 election, even as Team Biden moves ahead with its plans for the new administration. Trevor Shirley has the latest from the nation's capital. Well, Dan, good morning. The election may be over, but here in Washington, at least some of the post-election process is starting to play out. On Thursday, Congresswoman-elect Victoria Sparts arrived in D.C. for new member orientation. She'll be sworn into Congress in January. During orientation, newly elected congressional representatives learn about the Capitol and start to receive briefings, including some involving classified information. Meanwhile, President-elect Joe Biden announced his chief of staff will be Indiana native Ron Klain. Klain, a graduate of North Central High School, has been one of Biden's closest advisors for years. He also served as the so-called Ebola czar during the Obama administration, where he was in charge of the U.S. response to the Ebola outbreak. Klain has been highly critical of the Trump administration's response to the COVID-19 pandemic and will likely take a lead role in shaping the Biden administration's strategy for stopping the virus. 
So far, President Trump has refused to concede the election, and that means the official transition process hasn't started. Klain this week warned that kind of a delay could hamper efforts to distribute a COVID-19 vaccine sometime next year when it becomes available. Reporting in Washington, I'm Trevor Shirley for In Focus. Okay, I'm joined now by Ed O'Keefe from CBS News, who joins us to talk about the latest in this election. Ed, a lot happening, obviously, as the Biden uh, transition team now begins to assemble, really, uh, beginning to name some key players, including a Hoosier who was just named to be President-elect Biden's chief of staff in Ronald Klain. That's right. You know, you're going to swap out a vice president for a chief of staff. So no matter what, Indiana's got a powerful person in the West Wing, for sure. Uh, Ron Klain has a lot going for him. And so this wasn't much of a surprise, a lot going for him in the sense that he checks a lot of boxes for the president-elect. Uh, not only, of course, is he an Indiana native, that's very important. Uh, but uh, he's worked with Biden off and on since the late 1980s, ever since Biden was head of the Senate Judiciary Committee. So he was actually responsible for helping oversee the Clarence Thomas confirmation hearing, among many other judicial nominees uh, back in the 80s and the early 90s. He served as a vice presidential chief of staff to Al Gore and then to Joe Biden, and also served as President Obama's point man on the Ebola outbreak back in 2014. You'll remember that uh, situation across the world that also did get into the United States ever so briefly. So given those experiences collectively and the fact that he is well-known and admired across the Democratic Party and even in the corporate world, this is someone who Biden believes is uniquely positioned to help him put together a government in the next few weeks and then run it once it begins on January 20th. What are you hearing about the conversation over, over things like the intel briefing, which obviously the, the Biden team wants to be able to participate in soon? Some senators now are, are coming around saying that needs to happen very soon, including Indiana Senator Todd Young, who made remarks along those lines this week. What's the latest there? Well, you know, Biden himself this week had said that he didn't think it was that big a deal because there's only one president at a time. And so, you know, once he's president, he'll start getting... Uh, you know, all of the details that a president is supposed to get. But there are people around him and uh, allies on Capitol Hill, even Republicans now saying that he should probably be getting as much of that information as possible. He was getting it as a candidate, um, sort of a, a watered down, maybe diet version of what the president gets. That's something that has existed for decades, uh, that the nominees of the two parties begin getting sort of general, broad CIA briefings. Uh, and then it was supposed to continue and intensify now that he's the president-elect, and that's what's been stopped. And so, you know, there's a lot of concern that you don't want your next president coming in unaware of some situation that may be brewing somewhere in the world that then suddenly lands in their lap at 12.01 on January 20th and that he's unaware of. Biden obviously has a pretty broad understanding of foreign affairs and national security issues. He was head of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He spent eight years traveling the world and working on these issues for President Obama. So he's not coming into it totally unaware, but obviously once you're out of the loop on a daily basis, there's things you're gonna miss. And so they're trying to get him to a point where he can get most of that briefing. How long might this fight drag out and where does this leave someone like Vice President Pence, who obviously may have presidential ambitions down the road, if President Trump wants to run again in 2024, that may not be possible for him the same way yeah. he did. I mean, the easy answer to this is there are several dates coming in December that are sort of the dates by which states certify their results 
and then hold their gathering of their electors to vote for whichever candidate their state selected. Uh, so by mid-December, really, is, the, is sort of the latest point at which the president at this point could hold off or tell people in his administration to hold off. And I think if we get to that point, which is also beyond the point at which in 2000, this was settled between George W. Bush and Al Gore, um, leading to a very quick and truncated transition for George W. Bush. If we get beyond that, I think you're going to start to see a lot more people uh, in both parties and across sort of professional government, non-partisan non government, really get concerned that you could be putting the new administration in a really tough spot. As for, as for Vice President Pence, it's an awfully interesting spot to be in because you have to be loyal to the boss. But given that he didn't, uh, you know, given that President Trump didn't win re-election and technically has the option to run again, should he choose to, uh, that would potentially put a damper on uh, the vice president's potential future political ambitions if he believes that there are any to be had. Um, you know, so he has been rather quiet over the course of all of this in recent days. He has sent out some fundraising emails to the base, essentially saying, you know, the fight isn't over, stand with us, still being a loyal lieutenant. But you do have to wonder at what point might he decide it's time to sort of separate yourself from the president. It may not be until after the administration is over. And then you wonder, you know, what might he consider doing in his own future? Even if the president were not to run, Sure, Pence might be considered the front runner by virtue of having been vice president and therefore probably the best known. But he was already going to face a very crowded field in 2024. Several senators, other governors, uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo among them, uh, Nikki Haley, the former governor of South Carolina, all those people were interested, already making moves, already visiting New Hampshire and Iowa to possibly ingratiate themselves to Republicans there. So no matter what, it'll be a crowded mess unless the president decides that he's serious about this. Uh, Florida Senator Marco Rubio, who ran against him back in 2016, admitted this week, look, it's the president's party. If he wants to get involved in 2024, he's the front runner. And he's the front runner until anybody else somehow topples him or he decides not to run. And that's probably the case. So either way, it'll be tricky for the vice president. Yeah. We'll see what happens. It's been a wild ride uh, this year. Ed O'Keefe, thank you so much for you and your team at CBS for bringing us some, some great election coverage throughout. We appreciate it. Take care. In the meantime, this week, we're also hearing from Indiana's elected officials about all the latest news in Washington, including Congressman Andre Carson and Indiana Senator Mike Braun. There has to be real evidence, uh, but I think you've got to give it the time to play itself out. And I think that can work either way. If there is not the feeling on both sides that we've fully looked into anything where there might be a question, I don't think you're going to get that unification. There's always going to be the instance where uh, the side that does not end up winning uh, has to uh, get it behind uh, to where you can look forward to how you might build the case in a better way going forward. But we knew this was going to have all the characteristics ended up being that way of a very tight election. And I think for the process to be bona fide, uh, wherever there is even uh, a discussion of it, you need to err on the side of making sure there's nothing wrong with the process. Patience, 
let it play itself out. When we get to the end of that journey, we should all, regardless of the outcome, accept the results. I think Americans are paying an extremely heavy price for Donald Trump's temper tantrum. Uh, I think blocking President-elect Biden's uh, opportunity uh, from receiving intel briefings is a major threat to our national security. Um, uh, Vice President-elect or President-elect, pardon me, Biden needs to be fully aware of any of the threats uh, posed to our nation starting from day one. So if the president really cares about our country uh, more than himself, he needs to really cooperate and allow for a smooth transition on all fronts. So speaking of other, speaking of cabinet positions and other appointments, uh, word this week that uh, a Hoosier, Ronald Klain, will be President-elect Biden's chief of staff. What's your reaction to that news? Well, I'm always happy when I, when I see a Hoosier uh, it, it, it advance in life, uh, regardless of where they're from or which party they're affiliated with. Um, I'm very pleased that President-elect has selected Ron Klain for, his, for this position. I think it's, it's wonderful to see a Hoosier in this very important role, and it gives me more faith that our state's needs and values will be reflected in the Biden administration. It's very historical and, and it's very historic and monumental to have a black woman um, as vice president and a South Asian woman as vice president. And so, uh, and a woman as vice president, first and foremost. So uh, there are a lot of opportunities there. I think our society is changing very rapidly and very positively. And these changes are reflected in Kamala Harris. I'm excited. You put out a statement uh, this week. I wanted to ask you about here in Indianapolis, uh, the findings of the grand jury in the Drejan Reed case. Uh, what do you think should have been done here? Well, you know, I understand that uh, there are some who disagree with my response to the uh, Drejan Reed decision. Uh, people have uh, been extremely passionate about their feelings surrounding this issue. Society is changing and we can't go back to a mythical good old days that never existed. Um, we have to understand that with the changing society and with the history of uh, racism and, and, and the tension that exists between law enforcement and the community, um, there has to be an open mindedness, even from those in the community about the sacrifices that they make and the fact that they're willing to protect the community, but that protection can't come at the cost of being condescending and looking at folks suspiciously at the same time. And we'll have much more with Congressman Carson on our podcast. Right now, let's turn to the latest news at the State House, where lawmakers will reconvene Tuesday for Organization Day. Things will look a lot different because of the ongoing pandemic, which is also top of mind when it comes to policy proposals that could be on the table here in the weeks and months ahead. Our Kayla Sullivan has the latest from the State House. At this point, any legislation passed on Organization Day would most likely provide flexibility to delay or extend this upcoming session due to COVID-19. It's likely. It's just whether we do it on Org Day or whether we wait until we start uh, in January. Normally, Org Day is the ceremonial start of the session. This year, Democratic State Senator J.D. Ford wanted to address racial injustice issues, have input on how the state spends the rest of its CARES Act dollars, and potentially impose a mask mandate during Org Day. We shall see if that's something that we want to 
tackle. Republican State Senator Roderick Bray doesn't see lawmakers addressing any of those issues on November 17th. It's not preferred. Organizational day really is a ceremonial day. Both Democratic and Republican lawmakers agree the three biggest issues to address this session include the budget, redistricting, and COVID-19 response. Uh, energy costs and, and um, health care costs, and, and we'll do uh, you know, business liability protection so that businesses can get back to work. Passing a balanced budget with proper reserves is top of mind for Republicans. We recognize this year how important that is, and we'll make sure we do that, keep our AAA bond rating. And we'll, you know, obviously we need to do redistricting. Senator Ford wants Hoosiers to pay close attention to that issue. We need to make sure that those maps are fair because we are going to be stuck with them for the next 10 years. From the Indiana State House, I'm Kayla Sullivan. All right, Kayla, thanks. Much more to come after this. We'll talk with our panel about this week's top stories when we come back. All right, welcome back to In Focus. Time to bring in our panel this week with us, Mike Murphy, Rima Shahid, Tony Samuel, and Robin Winston. Let's start with Mike Murphy, former state representative. Mike, lawmakers go back to work on Tuesday for Organization Day. Obviously, this is going to be a very different kind of legislative session because of the pandemic. Also talk this past week, that they may not even require masks in the state house. What do you think this organization day and this coming session will be like in the midst of these surging cases across our state? Well, first of all, organization will be like none other I've ever heard of. Uh, usually it's picture day for the families and the newly elected legislators. No families allowed in the chamber this year. They're gonna be taking pictures outside the chamber and they're really going to focus on the newly elected legislators. The other ones have had their time in the sun, so to speak. As we roll in through uh, January, um, you know, they're going to be working in the state government center. I'm confident they have a good plan. I think the mask issue is a little overblown. Um, you know, they have the right to make their own rules within the chamber, and I'm confident that uh, that Speaker Houston will uh, take into account the safety of everybody. Rima, your thoughts on that and where we are generally in our state right now with this pandemic? Yeah, I think that elected officials and leaders should show leadership. And by not wearing a mask, they are not having that mandate. That's really showing a really bad example. I think back in July, Governor Holcomb said that he believed Hoosiers would do the right thing and wear a mask. And science and numbers have shown otherwise. Now we're again questioning whether we should shut down our state. Schools are shutting down. And I think that our leaders and elected officials should be wearing a mask while inside the state house and otherwise. Tony, the, the president holding a, a news conference Friday on Operation Warp Speed. Obviously, there is some hope on the horizon that a vaccine is coming. Uh, what do you think these next few weeks will be like at, at the White House? Uh, will the president get back in front of uh, this issue of the pandemic? W will he acknowledge the results of, of the election uh, two weeks ago? Well, he, he's definitely getting in front of the pandemic. He always has been, you know, the election didn't stop him from working and Operation Warp Speed is proving to be a success. Pfizer, uh, obviously with the announcement of their vaccine and Eli Lilly with uh, a therapeutic that's that's uh, gonna be very helpful. Um, on the election, you know, he has every right. I, I remember back in 2000, I was one of the ones that then state uh, Republican Chairman Mike McDaniel sent down to Florida for the Bush-Gore recount. That lasted 37 days. He has every right to look at all of the irregularities uh, in these states, and uh, we should give uh, their, their legal team that time. Uh, some of the media wants to jump all over this, you know, that he needs to, to uh, uh, concede, but, but this is part of the process. It's his duty, actually, to the many voters. If you look at 
the votes that 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 Biden got 78 million. That's uh, that's quite a bit more than Obama got 69 million in uh, in 2008. So it's something to look at for sure. Robin, your response. Well, the reason that um, Joe Biden got 78 million votes is first off, people wanted to vote Donald Trump out of office. Operation Warp Speed should be what he should be using as his branding to vacate the White House. So those are important. The other thing that we should keep in mind, folks, is we're talking about national security and briefing the president-elect and his team on very, very sensitive issues. We should not delay that because we're concerned about counting the votes in Georgia. Uh, and Georgia, obviously, uh, just getting word uh, this week that uh, Joe Biden has also won, projected the winner in the state of Georgia. Mike, I want to ask you about 2024. What does this mean for Vice President Pence? Uh, it, it appears President Trump, according to reports, may already be considering a potential run four years from now. Well, first of all, 2024 is a long ways away. We have a president who's frankly morbidly obese and uh, 70, mid-70s, to say the least. Um, we just don't know what's going to be going on in 2024. I think Pence has a great shot at it. He certainly would be in the top three or four. And I think he needs a plan as if he's running. And, you know, one thing about Mike Pence is the guy's, the guy's not wealthy. So he has to make money between now and 2024 as well. So he's got to think about his family. Speaking of Hoosiers in Washington, Rima, we got the word this week that Ronald Klain will be President-elect Biden's chief of staff. He obviously has some experience with the Ebola pandemic that came up during the campaign. Uh, your, your thoughts on this uh, Indianapolis native really taking one of the most powerful jobs in Washington? I think that everywhere you look, um, to kind of paraphrase uh, Kurt Vonnegut, everywhere you look, there are Hoosiers doing great things. Wherever you fall on the political spectrum, you will see Hoosiers at a national level, really making Indiana proud. And I think that this is just one of many Hoosiers that is really doing a great service to our nation and look forward to him bringing science back to the White House. Robin, Tony, uh, your thoughts on what we may see here in the, in the coming weeks ahead of uh, a new year in Washington. Robin, I'll start with you. Well, Ron Klain's got to help the vice president, soon to be president, um, put together a good, strong cabinet. Everybody that I know that knows him, speaks highly of him, talks about his abilities, his ability to reach across the aisle and be bipartisan. Look, nobody is wishing anything ill on our nation. We just simply want to move things forward so we can address issues in the future. Tony, I got 30 seconds. Sure. Well, we've got to do it the right way, and we've got to make sure that those uh, 73 million uh, folks that voted for the president um, feel good about uh, the, the outcome or feel that it, it was uh, correctly. Uh, correctly. Yeah. Well, that'll be the key now, bringing, bringing the country together after this election and in the midst of this uh, ongoing pandemic. We'll see you all here in a few minutes for Winners and Losers. Stick around. Back right after this. Coming up later today on CBS4, former President Obama sits down with CBS Sunday Morning and 60 Minutes. What is at stake here? Well, look, Joe Biden will be the next president of the United States. Kamala Harris will be the next vice president. There is no legal basis. There's but he's no... getting support from members of the Republican Party who are not challenging him. And that has been disappointing. They obviously didn't think there was any fraud going on because they Thanks, didn't Ed. say anything Thanks about so it the first two days, but there's Thanks. damage to this. R &R what sometimes happens is Starting tomorrow. Peaceful <laughs> transfer Thanks so much. Bye-bye. The Take notion care. that any of us who attain an elected office, whether it's dog catcher or president, are servants of the people. It's a temporary job. 
we're not above the rules, we're not above the law. That's the essence of our democracy. All right, so you can watch some of that interview at 9 a.m. on CBS Sunday morning, and then it's the Masters here on CBS 4, followed by NFL football and 60 Minutes with more of that interview tonight with former President Barack Obama. Stick around, we'll be right back to wrap things up after this. All right, welcome back. Time now for this week's Winners and Losers. Mike, I'll start with you. Well, just one winner this week. Ron Klain, Indianapolis native, North Central High School grad, has been named the uh, chief of staff to President-elect Joe Biden. A great honor for Ron and a great honor for Indiana. Robin. I'd say the national media that gave us results all the way through, including last Saturday. That's the winner. The loser is Mike Pence, who's got a president saying he may run again in 24. Tony? Winners at the federal level are, are the Republicans in the House. Looks like they're going to gain 10 to 12 seats. And the winner at the state level is uh, Indiana State Senator Greg Taylor from Indianapolis, who became the leader of the Senate Democrat Caucus. Rima, you get the last word. The winners are President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris and all the girls out there that now we have broken that glass ceiling and the losers this week are the ones that don't accept the outcome of the democratic process and the election. All right, that'll do it for us this week. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.